0: Age gives you the war wounds, which actually I think from a leadership perspective of being able to come into an organisation and hold a a level of calm around, you know, different things that are going on is is a tick, but currency in what you do, doesn't matter how long your career's been, but it's how you're staying current. So how are you skilling, -skilling, reskilling, cross-skilling, you know, involved in uh, networking groups or professional organisations, understanding, you know, we live in a digital economy these days, How are you improving your own digital literacy?
1: Hi, I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. I am taking a break from work and podcasting. So this week, we are going to revisit an interview with Donna Burr, a partner at Watermark Search International, who did several successful career transitions. And from the moment I recorded this episode with her, I knew it was going to be in the repeat file because it's such a good one. Enjoy. And I will see you again next week. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You have a very nice painting behind you. Was that oh. there before? Um, I
0: don't remember it. not. This was a bit of a COVID project to make the study a place where we wanted to come to. That's, she's an artist down at Sandringham, down I, your way.
1: Oh, really? Mr. Jackson. I, you know, I kind of, I have seen that her work around here now yeah. English, like this is my kind of thing very yeah. colorful it is very colorful
0: it. and it's a yeah. particular style my husband would say it looks like a three-year-old has painted it i'd say he doesn't appreciate art
1: <laughs> let's hope she doesn't listen to this podcast yeah. <laughs> no i love it and yep. uh because we go to art galleries around here i must have seen it in- yeah
0: yeah yeah and she's yeah. very um active on social media and all that sort of stuff i think she's got quite a successful business
1: it's a pity we're not doing video today because we're both wearing the same earring
0: yeah, <laughs> oh, too. Them, look at that very style yeah very similar style
1: oh, that's funny
0: and i'm a little oh. bit casual today because it's, it's oh, quite too warm hot.
1: too hot and i i was out and about i had an osteo appointment this morning and clients calling, and I knew I was going to run late. Apologies for that. No,
0: that's okay. No problem. Friday
1: afternoon, contracts to sign, and it's better to just
0: yeah. You got to get them signed. We're in the same boat. We've it's been a really good start to um to February, and yeah, lots of contracts and back and forth and all it's the important busy. stuff that's got to get signed off.
1: Yes, it's been busy. It's been good.
0: Mm, you've been well and been.
1: Yeah.
0: You always well, been busy.
1: I, uh, <laughs> Well, the, the clients that I signed up at the end of last year, which was a really big push, you know, for some reason, it kind of coincided lots of great new clients at the end of last year. They're all either uh, getting jobs now or getting really good reviews now. So, yeah. That's great. It's all happening. It's all happening.
0: That's good. That's good. And they'll become your advocates as well. And the cycle continues, doesn't it?
1: That's, ha- that's right. And it
0: becomes client.
1: Mm. Yes, yes. So I have a client who's sending me her sister, which is really cute. Like, oh now you have to. Help keep it in the family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's lovely. Aww. But you've been well, you look well.
0: Yeah, no, we're we're all all well. And despite the snap little lockdown we've had, that was, you know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. We just keep going on. Things are good.
1: And but that that is good, but also that keeps us on our toes, doesn't it? Because yeah,
0: this isn't uh, gone.
1: And you, you know, and I'm thinking of your clients, you know, the employers, and the fact that they're trying to figure out: Are we ready to move on and and take our plans forward? And then there's a, you know a snap lockdown like we had this week,
0: hmm. and
1: and it just raises questions again, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I think I, I would have to say just the kind of overarching theme from our clients though is, you know, bar having a full scale pandemic, you know lockdown of Australia like we did last year, they can actually, they know they can trust their systems, trust their people, yeah. get on with things that mightn't be perfect, but they proved to themselves last year that the system didn't break. Now, obviously, that's sector dependent. There obviously were sectors hit, but yeah. for, for for many of our clients, they they will, I think they've started the year with optimism to sort of, or I'll say maybe cautious optimism, but, you know, they'll get on with some of these things that they put on hold last year.
1: Okay. Yes, I agree, I agree. Uh, One of the things that has been a challenge for the the candidates that have been made redundant, either at the start of COVID or even before COVID, is the sector transition. So that's Mm -hmm. why I thought it would be great to bring you on board because you've done that before and you help Mm -hmm. people do it too. But why don't we stop? uh, Why don't we not stop? Why don't we stop? Why don't we start? (laughs) (laughs) By telling the listeners about your career and your transitions, that will be a great way to start.
0: Oh, thank you. And thanks. It was such a great opportunity to do this and actually spend some time reflecting and thinking about, you know, what what was the theme um, that sort of threaded throughout all of those moves? Mm-hmm. Um, and look, and really, a sh- I guess, short summary of, of my background, I kind of see it in three parts, my professional background. Firstly, in the professional services, auditing, kind of risk consulting space, then transitioning to human resources if you like as a discipline but more in the corporate sector so out of professional services and I'll talk about that transition and then into executive uh, interim uh, recruitment which you know is is really a lot of problem solving and it's it's probably the problem solving piece that for me it was at the heart of all of this I love I love kind of understanding why curious about what works? Why things work? Um, as as one, two is probably a bit of a service mentality. Mm-hmm. So at service, so really that probably started when I was, um, you know, working part time at a supermarket in in high school. You kind of learned about those customer service skills there, and I think that partnering and service mentality has stood me in great stead through all of the transitions that I've made to really understand, accept, and then execution focus. I like getting stuff done um, yeah. and, you know, multitasking. You What's that expression? Give a busy person, you know, the, the task and they will get it done. Um, yeah. That is is certainly my focus. I love solving the problem and getting things done. And I think those three skills themes traits if you like were transferable across sector and across role Um, really if i go back to the professional services and auditing you know it's such a privilege to be in a business learn about risk process and how things worked and you were constantly sort of you know facing um kind of problems there and that sort of really piqued my interest the human resources piece again is you know solving problems in a different way but the the, I guess the the grounding in professional services and the discipline if you like for a chartered accountant has stood me well in making that I think in just really coming at those people problems from a business lens Mm -hmm. um, and really um, and then you know into interim executive again it is all about problem solving and execution focus and I think you know, having been in the business, in the roles, in the organisations, understanding the problems that senior executives are faced with, serves me well on this side of the fence. If you like to actually help them, I understand it, I get it, um, can talk their language, and we can find the right people to help them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel very lucky with all of that. But in in preparing for today, it was really I think it's those three things. It was really the the problem solving, the relationship, client service focus, and then just execution getting on getting it done
1: so those are the the strengths that took you from one um, sector Mm -hmm. to another one Mm -hmm. industry to another how how did you actually uh, do it and why what was behind the decision to take you from
0: being an accountant
1: to being an HR that's a big jump isn't it
0: yeah it look on face value it, it, it sounds like it at the time not I remember distinctly um, my last uh, audit engagement if you like um, was with ANSET and it was at the time that uh, the business closed and it really struck me at that point that when businesses mismanage or you know don't sort of um, address risks well it actually affects the community, it affects people, it affects families and you know and the impact of ANSET Stopping as a business, and obviously we've seen many corporate closures and failures since. Um, uh, has a significant impact on the community, and so I think it was at that point it, I knew that going forward from there. I, you know, I, I wasn't passionate about audit, auditing per se. I was, you know, curious about risks and businesses, but I knew that I needed to be working at a level to understand when executive teams are around the table looking at risks. Yeah. Um, you know, how they were addressing them, how are they solving these problems, what was the governance in place. So the skill set I learned there was a natural transition. My step into human resources, if you like, was really through training and development, um, ah. a passion around people. Um, and 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 that, was, that came about by having uh, a mentor um, who supported me, a partner at the professional services firm I was working with, taking a chance on me,
1: mm-hmm. calling
0: out those three traits, saying, Donna, these are the things I see in you, and so I think you can pick up the training and development we need to do here in Australia. I'll partner you with the executive who leads training for audit for Australia. She'll teach you the technical stuff, but it's your skill set around problem solving, getting things done, and the relationships that I need to set up a national training curriculum. He became the Asia-Pacific leader, and I rolled that in Asia-Pac. So I think, yeah, it's just that was that belief and, and backing
1: So your role within the HR uh, realm has always been within that training and development or was the training and development a stepping stone for you to then move into more of a generalist HR um, position?
0: Yeah, purely a stepping stone. I think that gave me a taste. I mean, the L&D is kind of a a very sort of um, specific niche part of human resources, I was more interested in the business challenges, so sitting around the table with the management teams and and hearing the the problems um, that they were trying to solve, and and really, um, you know, casting the, the the people lens on that. I think in in changing um, kind of roles and sectors, it, it does come back to understanding sort of what those, um, you know, sort of those strengths are and really um, understanding problems in the context of, you know, who's around the table and and, and the business. I think too often, um, and I see this in my role now, people come to those sort of conversations with, well, I'm the HR person and this is, this is how we solve it without really kind of going, well, we're a business. What are the risks we're managing? What are the people impacts? What are the customer impacts? Da, 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 da. And yes, you might have the kind of expertise in a particular area to then, you know, help solve that. But it's, it's um, for me, the L&D was, was really just a step in. I think it was my curiosity around businesses worked, how they're managing risk and governance that a number of senior HR people said to me, hey, Don, I actually think you could make the bridge from what you were doing to this because you get it. You, you speak the language of the business. You understand risks. The people stuff, the end-to-end people cycle, you know, you can learn that, but mm-hmm. you you naturally are actually focused around how businesses tick and work. And it was that probably was played back to me, and felt like a a natural move. So many people said, "Gosh, how do you make the move?" But actually, that was kind of a, a natural move of again that the problem solving, the curiosity, and really understanding kind of what what made businesses tick.
1: This idea of playing it back to you and of you having that mentor that then um, identified your Mm -hmm. superpower, as you say, you like to use that word. Yep. was it then was it did it surprise you or was it something that you already knew about yourself and it was just great to have that reinforced because not many people have the support of mentors Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I want to empower uh, professionals to do is to do that self-reflection where they can identify their superpowers their superpowers their strengths and not rely um on other people. I mean, ideally, of course, we know that having mentors and great leaders um, in an organization correlates with career advancement, career uh, promotions and all of that, but it's not always there.
0: Yeah, no, agreed. I think um, at that particular time, I hadn't consciously thought about it that way until, until he articulated it so concisely. I thought, yeah, that's exactly what I've intuitively been doing, but I just hadn't consciously put the words around that. Um, and that thing sort of gave me a frame as I was, you know, people would ask you what your strengths are and, and and so forth, that it's a constant theme that's come through my career. What I would say to people who are trying to work out what their strengths are is, and, and we sort of say this to the executives that I work with, is Pick two or three people who are, so you, you mightn't have the luxury of the mentor, but pick two or three people who are your friendlies, who are people that you've, that you've worked with, that you've trust over a period of time, who know you both as a person and actually have seen you sort of in a professional context and ask them what, they would see as your superpowers. You know, if they had a job, what is it that they'd pick up the phone and call you for? Um, so that would be one. And the other thing is, you know, if people are doing their own self-reflection, if they think about their professional career, what is it time and time again that the businesses or the executives they've been working with throw to them? What problems are continually thrown their way to solve? And I guarantee the combination of those two, there will be a theme there, um, whether uh, around the strengths of that individual because it will have played out we find you know often in you know in, in potentially in larger organizations people uh often get moved around to different divisions to do the same thing yeah. um and so you know i think that's a way that people can sort of think about you know what their strengths are
1: yes i think um and to, to add to that, because I, I remember when I did that exercise for the first time, I was very young yep. and the words that people used to describe me mm-hmm. or to, you know, yeah. to explain what my strengths were, I didn't like them. And what I what you have to do is then unpack that for yourself. Yeah. What does yes. it what does that actually mean? So I remember I, it was part of a, um, I was doing a United Nations program and I had to ask 10 people to use one word to describe me. Nine of them used organized and ah. my dad used organized. Stubborn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As only those close and to me like,
1: I want to be a leader. Those, <laughs> those are two dumb words to use. And that, to, to, you know, a few years later, I translated stubbornness to stamina and persistence, mm-hmm. which, you know, is so important when you're running projects, when you're running businesses. Yep. You have to have that stubbornness. And organizes process driven continuous improvement. And you Absolutely. know me, you know, like I, you have to be so organized to actually take an organization from A to B um, yep. and have that almost like a general's mind. That's why I like John Monash so much, you know.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yep. You have to have that understanding of the battlefield. So, Use that. Uh, if people come, if you're listening, and people tell you funny things, go to my Facebook group, and I'll translate that to you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so um, true. And you know, sometimes it's hard to hear that information, and, and yeah, or or sometimes what gets played back to you is the most obvious things, and you kind of go, of course, well, you know, of course that's a strength. That's just that's just what I do, and it's almost bringing what sort of you unconsciously do into your you know, into your kind of consciousness, if you like, um, you know, sometimes it's not rocket science and it's not leadership and it's not all the grand things that you'd like it to be. But I think, yeah, I think you need to kind of take that feedback on with um, interest and curiosity and listen, as you say, spend some time kind of reflecting on it because it's telling, right? It's, mm. it's what people have seen over a long period of time. And if you're sort of true to yourself and what your strengths are, those things will continue to sort of come out. So yeah,
1: that's right. And then you made a, a, another transition from uh, HR to executive search. Mm. Now it- the terminology executive search for the listeners because I like to use the word headhunter, but I think it's <laughs> very 90s, you know. And I, I'm sure you, you I have a feeling the executive search professionals
0: don't like that word anymore, do they? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the headhunting, I guess, is one approach you can take to executive search, um, yes. in, in terms of sort of targeting and 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 um, you know, approaching particular people in roles um, for uh, for executive roles. But executive search is, you know, executive search businesses partner with organisations to one, understand, you know, strategy, business, you know, state of play, what their needs are, and are engaged then to, to find executives to come into that organisation. And the search process if you like to find those people is extensive for some search businesses that's a global search they have uh, research departments who are well networked um, and you know and and sometimes the the roles and the asks are quite niche but executive search is is typically engaging a third party to to go out and find you a diverse range of um you know executive candidates and executive can look different in in different organizations for us it's typically you know a salary that's over the 200 220k mark on on a permanent um basis but um uh yeah, and, and find a diverse um, list, long list, short list of candidates to present who would be open to a conversation, you know, with that organisation and, and going forward. Yeah. My particular passion is in the interim space, so actually working with clients who call us typically in a crisis because they might be going to market for that permanent um executive but for whatever reason there is a short-term need to fill the role while they do that um, could be that somebody's left uh, in a hurry it could be a, a transformation project that's gone awry um, and we need to turn those assignments around in three or four days and hence I guess to partly answer your question about mm-hmm. the transition is the execution focus it's the, the catching the problem the service to our client and then quickly turning that around um, Uh, you know probably ticks off my three strengths to be honest so when I initially Jacinta who I work with here in Melbourne um, when we initially spoke about um, you know we we were talking met early on and built a relationship there and, and talked about me joining her at Watermark I sort of thought oh executive search like you know how I, I don't have any experience in that like how could i be of any value and she said are you kidding me mm-hmm. she said you know you you're great at problem solving you've you've sat in the shoe of um you know our clients that we're speaking with so you get their problems you get their language and she said you know you're great at delivering and we've got to turn these things around in three or four days she said why you know why do you think you couldn't do this um so yeah so I've joined and here I am three years later and, you know, love it. Um, yeah. And it is, and I think probably for the first time in all of my career, it really feels like the coming together of all the different experiences and those strengths really being able to um, to come to play. And I think if I think about from an energy effort, it just feels comfortable and, um, you know, uh, easy good use of my energy it's i i I get um energized by it's probably the word not energy sapping
1: yeah and and Donna now you are seeing lots of professionals every day mm-hmm. some of them are genuinely interested in entering others yep. are looking for whatever type of yep. work uh, they can find um, and they see entering as uh, a stepping stone let's say yep. uh, but regardless of that what I'm because we have an, an interview on this podcast with Jacinta where we talk about entering so I'm going to yep. leave that on the side Perfect. and yep. let people know that the episode is there they can search for it on the episode show notes I'll have a link below but um, what I'm interested to know is how you and your peers support executives that have come to you especially recently from sectors that have disappeared yep And also from there are specific professions that are not as much in high demand as they used to be Mm -hmm. because of the changes and the volatility and the uncertainty in the market. So we have the two things happening. We have sectors that are uh, feeling um, the grunt and we have uh, professionals from specific expertise that are not um, in high demand. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How, How do you help them?
0: Yeah, it's a really great question. And I and yeah, COVID certainly has really created divides for, for for different sectors. So if I start on the we often get asked, you know, how do I change sectors? If I've been, you know, agnostic of sort of COVID and, and sectors that are sort of come into demand and those that don't, but if I've been in the energy sector for all of my career and I want to move to financial services or I want to move into not-for-profit, how do I do that? Too often we find um uh, executives fronting up to conversations in those sectors where they basically, you know, talk about, here's what I've got to offer. And we always say, you know, think about a couple of things. Think about the problems that that sector's facing. Do your research. Understand what is going on. If it's aged care you're going into, you know, have you read um, some of the standards that have that have come down through Assisting Council around the recommendations to aged care? Think about the problems that they are facing and, and, and grappling with, uh, for one. You know, do your research around, um, you know, sort of people in that sector. Who are they? What's going on? Who's moving? Um, uh, you know, are there people in that sector that you can meet with, tap into? Are there professional bodies that you should be connected to, you um, Within that sector to understand, um, and I'm, this is all kind of building up to how do you build your a new network in it, the sector that you're trying to approach. So it's partly the research, partly sort of are there you know networking with people in that sector, and then and then I think it's coming down to what are some of the problems they're solving and how are your skills transferable so yes i'm big on superpowers and the way that we often take sector off the table when we're having conversations with our clients and trying to introduce a candidate into um, an organization is that is the problem that at the what's at the heart of the problem that they're trying to solve and what are the skills or superpowers they need to solve that and in fact if that client's already been trying to solve that problem with skills in sector, there wouldn't actually be a smart thing to do to get a fresh perspective from somebody who solved a similar problem, different context, different sector, but has solved it over here to come in and give a different view. Um, usually we can um, make some progress on that front. But then to your point, what it comes down to, you know, for people who have found themselves... Uh, out of roles in a particular sector is coming back to the conversation we started with. What are your strengths? What are your superpowers? Because when you can articulate one superpower is what your superpowers are and you can assure a client or play back to a client uh, the problems that they're facing, or how you understand it. Again, you don't have to be an expert in the sector, but you've got to take in the time to actually understand and marry how your superpowers can come and support them. Yeah, that problem sounds like when I was, you know, over here doing X. This is how we solve that. And I imagine, you know, you're probably grappling with A, B, and C. Clients listen; they've been heard. People want to be heard. So, you know, there's a couple of things in there, but I think around the sector that you're pursuing, you know, pick the one that you're interested in, do your research, understand kind of the issues facing it, you know, the people in there that you might be able to network with, professional bodies or, or, or networking groups you could get involved with to really open that um, connection there. Um, and then really, you know, from a personal perspective, a real inventory of what your strengths and superpowers are. And then I think you're in a position to, to open up a conversation and, and sort of get the sector piece off the table
1: it's interesting what you're saying because what you're um, advising people to do is to again niche down into another sector this idea that because you're out of work you should be applying for a gazillion different industries sectors is not going to pay dividends because it will never allow you to design
0: a good job application am I right yeah absolutely and I think Ultimately, you need to be hungry for it, right, and it needs to be, you know, come back to values alignment and um, if if it's fine for the head to be in it, if the heart's not in it, that will come through as well. So I think I would always say is as scary as it probably feels for uh, many executives, you know double down on a particular sector, maybe it's two sectors that you um, are really, really passionate about, both from a kind of values perspective, and or have interest with the, the change that's going on in there and really, really do your research, you know, do a do a market map of who some of the key companies are in there, some of the growth businesses that are, you know, doing really well and doing some interesting change, you know, depending on what your superpowers are, you'll gravitate to certain companies. But you know, I think there's a discipline too. I think sometimes people say it's all a bit too hard. You have to put in the hard work. No one's more interested in you finding a job than you. Um, It's not a recruiter's job. You know, it's not your friend's job. It's not your network's job to find you the role. You need to do the hard work. And so, you know, we would, um, you know, I just replay another comment that we often hear from executives when they they front up. And I and I understand the place that this is coming from. But when I say to them, Tell me about your superpowers, they say, Well, you know, I could I can do anything. And it's like, well, you, you can't do anything. I have no doubt that you have burning ambitions and that you're highly capable in your area, but you can't do anything. And in fact, fronting up to a prospective employer telling them that you can do anything is not helpful. People, the tighter you can be about your strengths, superpower, how you can help solve problems, um, the more likely it is that people will, you know, one, your network will be able to help you, but two, an employer will be able to see where, you know, you you could potentially fit.
1: Yeah. Um, Donna, from a parent's perspective as well, How has changing um, professions like you had affected that? Did you take that into account? Was it part of your career plan or life plan to say, Mm. okay, now this is going to be more of a, 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 it's a lifestyle change Mm. for me as well as a professional change or that didn't really matter to you? Because I'm saying this because I do have quite a lot of listeners, um, female listeners, Mm -hmm. The podcast is 50-50, but the uh, the followers I have on social media tend to be more female than than male, and that usually plays up. You know, yeah. they're either um, about to have kids or coming back from having kids and yep. or kids have grown up. I have more yep. time. So especially yep. I, I hope that in the future it will be more of a problem for both parents, but yeah. for our generation it has been more a women's issue. Yeah. Um, yep. Did that play a part?
0: Yes. Look, it. Yes, it did. I mean, of course. As I was moving into various roles and 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 having children, that that I've one daughter. Um, she's eleven now, and I think throughout uh, from the time that she was born, I'd worked everything from two days, two and a half, three days, job share, full time, remotely in the office. You name the combination, um, you know, I, I did it. Um, and and did that play a part? Yes. I think I think my, um, you know, if I'd be quite open, my last role prior to moving into what I'm doing now, I did take a six-month career break because I'd burnt out. I'd, I'd actually got the combination and balance wrong. So... Without a doubt, everybody needs to do their kind of audit and inventory of, um, if I can use that language, you know, with their partner or significant other or if they're a single parent around, you know, what energy and capacity they've got for work time's finite and I always say when you're spending time something you're trading it off somewhere else mm-hmm. um, and you need to consciously be aware that you're trading that off and that was probably a hard lesson I learned at, at one point which had a health impact but you know we we, we recover mm-hmm. from, from those things I think to your point now I'm very grateful this role that I'm in now um, gives me flexibility and my husband and and daughter and I flexibility to manage all of life. It's probably... You know, I feel like a really sweet spot of being able to achieve all my own health fitness goals, you know, support my daughter in all her endeavours and my husband and I, you know, we always say teamwork makes the dream work and I appreciate everybody's circumstance um, is different. So absolutely different roles I took at time. It was more about the working, uh, sort of the working arrangement. It wasn't so much about the role. I'd always say to women, especially women who are about to have children, I don't know why we get hit with this self-doubt at that time and feel like we need to step back, feel like we, we're not going to manage it. If anything, lean in at that time and, you know, you, you take the promotion and I think, you know, it, it's two separate conversations. You're capable and you have ability to do the senior role how much time and the working arrangement and the flexibility you need to kind of deliver to that role is a very different question. And so, you know, if you're only able to work three days a week for a point in time, or, you know, and, you know, I think clearly, COVID's taught us, you know, that balance of working remotely and, and in office now. I think that's that's really, um, you know, changed the dial and the conversation. Work out. boundaries that work for you be really clear on them and do not be apologetic for them if there's something that I I don't really have regrets but if there's something I wish I'd done differently was not being so apologetic of wanting to work part-time and almost allowing the opportunity to step down a role or a level because I could only work part-time and in in hindsight I wish I had lent in and stayed you know true I was capable to Mm do do the role but it was it was about at that point in time, and it's and it's temporary. We know things change, right? Regardless of whether you have children, whether you, you know, you volunteer, um, you know, for a not-for-profit, or whether you, I don't know, uh, coach a, a netball or football team. Whatever your or your commitments are, children are certainly. Um,
1: it's one, one of, of the variables. It doesn't have to be Correct. kids. It could Absolutely. be even a health issue. It could be you have, Absolutely. you know, elder a carer, carer. Yeah. whatever it is, you have to um, take that into account as you're developing your career plan.
0: Absolutely. Definitely mm-hmm. too. And I, and I think it shouldn't be the thing that holds you back from leaning into, you know, a more senior, more significant opportunity. I yeah. think they're two separate conversations. <laughs> And
1: then we reach the stage where I am at now, Mm -hmm. where I have nothing to worry about. My kids are, I think I don't, (laughs) at least not for now. My kids are all grown up uh, and I have a lot of time and I have a lot of energy to work as well. Um, I have clients and people that I know that have reached that stage and um, they have found it harder to look for work. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, have found that they don't know how to place themselves. There are issues there of ages and that they have encountered. Yep. And as clients, we work very uh, much to address them and, and build strategies around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you have people that are ready to work pretty much full time. I see myself like I've never been, I think the last time I had I had this much energy was when I was in my Mm twenties, you know. And now I have all this energy and all this time, so um, there is no need. And I correct me if I'm wrong to opt into entering work or portfolio work Mm -hmm. if you have the stamina and the energy, the time, and and sometimes maybe the need financially. Yeah. Or other, or for another reason to have a full-time employment if you yeah. are in your late 40s, 50s, and even 60s, right? Yeah. How do you support clients that are older? Because I'm assuming you most of your candidates are of that age.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the average um is is is, is certainly kind of 50 plus late 50s coming into early sixties. Um two things always um and you know, and I think The ageism is real for many people um, and experience and often having conversations uh, about that two ways or or two things that come to mind to sort of get that off the table or address it. And and the one that I think is most important is currency. You know, often I hear, um, so I'm meeting with a CFO, they're like, well, I've been a CFO for 40 years. I've got 40 years of experience. And I go, that's great. So that gives me kind of depth in your in your trade. But talk to me about the last three to five years. What are the problems you've solved? How are you getting across um, digitization in your area of expertise? You know, what are, what are, what are some of the changes that are going on that you're seeing? What are some of the big organisations doing with their finance functions? What are the what are the global issues that are packing CFOs these days? And then you know I, I I hear nothing or I you know hear bits and pieces. So you have to own that regardless of your age. So age age gives you the war wounds, which actually I think from a leadership perspective and being able to come into an organisation and hold a a level of calm um, around, you know, different things that are going on is is a tick. But currency in what you do doesn't matter how long your career has been, but it's how you're staying current. So how are you skilling, reskilling, cross-skilling, you know, involved in uh, organisations, sorry, in in like networking groups or professional organisations, understanding um, you know, we live in a digital economy these days. How are, you, how are you improving your own digital literacy? No use kind of rocking up and, you know, fiddling around with Zoom and not being able to connect to a meeting. You, you, you'll you appear like an old fuddy-duddy. Um, and, it, and again, it's not about being the expert in all of these things either. It's about literacy and it's about showing curiosity and currency in doing that. So, um, you know, I get really buoyed when I meet an executive who, who may not have been employed in permanent role, but you know what? They are keeping their Monday to Friday busy and, and not busy for the sake of it. They're being very disciplined about two things. One is around that currency um, and being seen at particular events, speaking to particular people. So they've got something interesting to talk about and talk to when they're meeting with would-be um, employers. The other thing is networking we always say to our executives, your networks and the strength of your networks will absolutely be a lead indicator of your success in finding your next role. Today more so than I think it's sort of for me it feels like it's exponential, but those networks of, um, you know, your allies and your um, your competitors are, you know, one or two degrees of separation. And so with the light of LinkedIn, and I know you do, you know, some fabulous work there with people's digital you know, president, presence rather, and, and and sort of networking through LinkedIn, Renata, it is absolutely key. And I think at an executive level, uh, when you get, regardless if it's full time or interim employment, whatever you're getting into, but your brand out to market is key. Um, how you're keeping those networks current and keeping connected—it's that give and get relationship. It's not fronting up to your network expecting them to get you a job, but what can you give? into that network and how are you we always say don't leave it on the table if you're in the market for a job you need to let your network know that you're in the market um, you know for a job and, and and what they can refer to you or you know do they know others who might need your skill set like we always say don't run up to those networking conversations just for a chit chat and then in the last five minutes stumble over the fact that you really do need a job and here's what you do you know Go to that with purpose. We always say if someone's agreed to meet you, they probably genuinely want to help you. So, you know, help them help you by letting them know, you know, what it is you need. So I think networks and uh, leveraging those and the currency of your skills is is key.
1: Donna, and I think sort of getting to the tail end of this chat, which is... Lovely. I, I love hearing you talk. You're so good. <laughs> um, but I think we need to talk about the situation right now mm-hmm. with your uh, in, the intelligence that you can share with yep. the listeners about the job yep. market. Yep. We are in Melbourne, Australia, so, of course, you know, it's very specific, mm-hmm. um, but I hope that people around Australia and in other parts of the world can use this as a sample of, you know, of of what's happening um, and what could happen in a country where COVID is more or less under control. Vaccines are starting to roll out. Um, We have been in very hard, hard lockdown for most of 2020 here in Melbourne what are you seeing now? What's trending now oh. for your clients, the employers that are looking for work, workers yep. in 2021?
0: So if I go broadly with some of the lead indicators that we would look at, and, and, and Renata, happy to share um, some research we just sort of did recently, a, a market update. And I guess we're only just into 2021, but certainly pulling on the McKinsey's and others around their predictions for 2021. And then we sort of tied that into our anecdotal conversations with clients. So happy to share that as well.
1: Yeah, we uh, can link that in the episode show notes. So people yeah. that have access to episode show notes, look below. Now this podcast is available on like things like Audible and Siri and Alexa. So I don't know if people actually look at the episode show notes, in which case, just go to my blog on my website, RenatoBernardi.com, and you will find the links there.
0: Okay, go ahead, tell me. But certainly um, in in January and uh, actually I think it was from November last year, the number of roles that are been posted, so job adverts through SEEK, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, if you sort of follow that, it, it, it sort of crashed and fell off a cliff in March of 2020, not surprisingly, and started to rebuild. But November, December, January, we saw a number of um, postings of, uh, of, of roles go up. And, of course, that's not just at the um, executive end, that's all end of... Um, uh, of employment and I think it was November uh, 2020 year on year there was growth um, so the market certainly bounced back now clearly there are sectors that's uh, you know hospitality um, some of the kind of entertainment sector uh, some of retail some of retail's sort of skyrocketed um, education with international students impacted and you know of course those sectors will be um, you know, a, a long time coming back. Um, but if you sort of said to me, health, government, you know, manufacturing, um, some of those ones that um, you've highlighted, and many of your listeners will be in, you know, they're they're bouncing back. And it, anecdotally, I think the conversations our clients, or the the um, the overarching themes coming from the conversations with our clients, are that 2020 showed that they can rely on their technology, they can rely on their people, they can rely on the systems. It wasn't perfect, but the things that they had to do at short notice and, and scale a workforce off and bring people back in completely, you know, launch a different proposition to connect with their customer base, offer a very different experience in a, in a world where we're in lockdown, they did it. And so, you know, you know bar a, another sort of whole-scale lockdown in Australia, they'll be able to move forward on some of these projects. And yes, what it's probably taught them is resilience and, and being adaptable and flexible. So I know they're very broad comments, but certainly there's cautious optimism, uh, certainly in our client network that um, plans that they've had for acquisitions or divestments or growth will continue. Of course, you know cash is king and and monitoring cash flow, obviously with job seeker payments. Um, Finishing soon, will be interesting to see, um, you know, what impact that has on certain organisations and sectors. Um, but certainly, cautious optimism. Our clients are, you know, looking forward uh, in terms of skill sets. Broad Now, you know, I'm coming from the lens of executive uh, interim search, but, you know, for our business in particular health sector and some of those sectors that are dealing with the current issues of the day, Royal Commissions in Financial Services, aged care, you know, those sectors are uh, will continue to be um, busy. And I guess going back to our earlier conversation Pick up the paper on any given day. You'll see the sectors that are um, in the news. They are the ones that uh, no doubt will be uh, busy changing um, and you know looking for people. So um, yeah. no 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 magic no magic science there. But certainly uh, cautious optimism, I'd call it going forward. You know,
1: it's really funny because this week we're recording this when Facebook pulled out all the news mm-hmm. from from its platform. Yes, and I'm thinking, who reads the news on Facebook anyway? You know, like I want these listeners of this podcast to bloody read the news where it bloody belongs exactly, <laughs> like, exactly do not read your news on facebook you should have you shouldn't have done it before yes now, in australia we won't be doing it apparently yeah. in the future so that's actually yeah. very good i'm actually very
0: happy <laughs> yes no I, will, I would say to the listeners here pick up the financial review and you know it's any of this is is discipline. Uh, you know, I think if you're if you're an executive or a job hunter um, in transition. Be disciplined about your week. Uh, You know, you you need a reason to get up in the morning, a rhythm to the week. It should be reading the paper. It should be mapping out those sectors that you're interested in and and who you need to connect with. It should be looking at your digital profile, your your resume, and and seeking the help that you need to. Um, It should be getting out and speaking to people, be it virtually, um, you know, on a Zoom or Teams call or in person where we can. Be disciplined about it. It's yeah. it's um, you know, there, there's no there's no short, quick, fast way to, to to do this. And without a doubt, our executives who the people who I meet who do that and have a disciplined focus about it, you know, it, it does pay back to you. I know
1: have you downloaded my optimized job search template? No, I have not. Oh, I have to send it to you. I may need to pull that down because it's so good. hire me after they have that thing (laughs) it is a freebie on my website and and last week last week sorry last month over 600 people downloaded that optimized job search it is so good and it's exactly that it creates an optimized job search routine for you and i offer three different schedules one for people that are uh, job searching full-time, another one if you're job searching part-time or a light version. Let's say you have a full-time job yep. or you you have kids or you, you have something else on and you can only do a little bit during the week. Yep. And it kind of picks up on the best ways to do it the best days to do it so you don't that is that is
0: gold dust that that really is and it's such an important i'll um, send you the link so you can get your candidates yeah i absolutely will that's i mean it's the thing that i think you know in speaking to our executive network when they've come out of a um a role and um you know and and the emotion sometimes that's surrounded with that that uh, they find it difficult to get back into when they haven't got that routine of getting up and going to work each day. if Finding mm-hmm. those new patterns can be difficult. So actually putting some structure around that yeah. I think is really helpful.
1: A lot of the people, not a lot because it's not a big group, but the people that have signed up for the group coaching program that starts mm-hmm. this yep. week, have Exciting. downloaded this thing first and they, they they started working on it and then they're Perfect. like, oh, no, okay, let's do the group coaching. So I'll send it to you. Please do Anything else you would like to leave um, as the final thoughts or ideas for the listeners of this podcast?
0: Yeah, look, I, I, I think for those who have been, you know, in the, the on the job hunt for a while, take a deep breath and um, you know surround yourself with um, you know some true partners and and supporters to keep you buoyed up. Because I I absolutely can empathize and and compassionate towards. It's tough that the market is competitive, and you know, it can be very frustrating and um, you know demoralizing sometimes when you know you you're either getting knockbacks or you know you just feel like you're not um, anchoring but you you know the things we've spoken about today I think you know keep the discipline there keep the pattern um, belief in yourself surround yourself with people who will prop you up when you need that propping um, and uh, you know and I do strongly believe that if you do focus on all those things it it um you know you'll start seeing the leads and the the conversations will absolutely happen
1: excellent donna thank you so much for your time thank
0: you renata and thank you for all the amazing work that you do we um we love working with you you've got your heart and passion squarely in the court of the you know the executive job hunter and i think you just do such an amazing job so thank you for the opportunity to have a chat today my pleasure
1: Popping in again to remind you that Donna and I spoke um, briefly about the optimized job search schedule. There is also a workshop and it's available for you to watch on demand. There's a link to it on the episode show notes. So go to the episode show notes here on wherever you found us iTunes, Spotify, or go to my blog, renatabenardi.com forward slash blog search for this podcast and all the links we discuss are in the blog and you will then be able to access the optimized job set schedule and if you want to go a step further you can watch the workshop and make even more use of that schedule and get a bit more of me and my advice bye for now